It seems incredible, but it has been a year. We've been at this a year. I mean, of course, that it's been a year that we've been celebrating the year of faith. But the year is over. Tomorrow, to be exact. For the last nine months, I know I didn't do the whole year, but close. For the last nine months, I've been posting on my public Facebook page a new faith challenge every week. Something to learn about, share about, and live about our faith. And it was a great exercise in exploring the fullness of the Catholic faith. We looked at vocations, papal history, scriptures, sacraments, parish life, faith and charity, the passion of Christ, Easter joy, prayers of praise, outreach, justice and love, social justice, silent prayer, Vatican II documents, pro-life issues, marriage, contraception, the Holy Spirit, evangelization, the Trinity, salvation, movements and associations, congregations and religious life, canon law, church fathers, missions and missionary work, World Youth Day, dignity of workers, Mary, Eastern churches, interfaith relations, fasting, angels, priesthood, and music and art. That's a lot. And it's not even everything. So my challenge today to you is this. What did you learn about our faith during this year of faith? How has your faith grown? What is one new thing that you will do from now on? How will you share your faith from now on? More importantly, how will you live it? I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. Today we're giving away two albums by Mark Mallet, Vulnerable and Here You Are. And our winners are... Maria Amirati and Norma Fernandez. Maria Amirati, you've won a copy of Mark Mallet's Vulnerable, and Norma Fernandez, you've won a copy of Here You Are, also by Mark Mallet. Congratulations, both of you. If you haven't yet done so, please send us an email to radio at saltandlighttv.org so you can claim your prize. And for the rest of you, if you want to enter our weekly draw, go to our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio and enter your name and email address where it says stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. Make sure you enter your real name and last name because those people who don't have real names don't get entered. And if you do enter please check your email because you may win. Today we have our usual features with Alicia, Andrew, and Sheridan. And in about 15 minutes, Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary, will be here with tips on befriending celebrities. Always something interesting with that guy. And you may have heard about the new made-for-TV film, Mary of Nazareth. I keep seeing things about it on Facebook. Well, I watched it, and today we will be speaking with Tony Ryan, Director of Marketing for Ignatius Press, about the film in our second half hour. And as promised last year, Sarah Hart returns as our featured artist this week to talk about her Indiegogo campaign album, Above Earth's Lamentation. So we'll be speaking with Sarah at the end of the program, but we begin with Praying with a Broken Heart from Sarah Hart's new album, Above Earth's Lamentation. I asked you for the light You gave me a long dark night Gave me shadows for my path There was no turning back 
Sarah Hart with Praying with a Broken Heart from her new album, Above Earth's Lamentation. And we're going to be speaking with Sarah in our second half hour. But now here's Alicia with our news. Yes. So first up, we have a technological innovation from the Vatican. And it's courtesy of Google. So we all, we're all familiar with Street View, Google yes, Street View. Yes. It's changed the way that we look things up where yes, we've got to go. I know. So the Vatican partnered with Google and this street, their Street View team mm-hmm. to give us unprecedented access to the catacombs of St. Priscilla in oh, Rome. Really? Yes. At a press conference this week, Cardinal Gianfranco Ravazzi told reporters that laser technology was used in the catacombs to do the actual restoration of frescoes, uh-huh. and they uncovered um, burial sites, and at these burial sites were frescoes of Jesus l- raising Lazarus from the dead and Saints Peter and Paul, and I believe they were about 4th century frescoes, okay. so amazing stuff, but you can actually see this if you go to Google. Google Maps, uh-huh. type in Catacombs of St. Priscilla, Rome, really? click on Street View, and all these extra arrows show up. It's the new look inside feature. Oh, Almost like the entire complex of catacombs is available on Street View, but wow. there, there's no map, so you don't actually know what you're looking at. The point is, wow. you can do it. You can visit the catacombs without leaving your chair. That's great. So now they just have to make a map. Exactly. 
And I'm sure they'll have no problem. They're the map people. Yes. So, Pope Francis, he's making headlines again. Shocking. I know. Mm. For something that he said during his general audience. Yes. Again. So, it's nothing we haven't heard before, but it's making headlines because it is to the point. Mm -hmm. His catechesis this week was about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And he addressed a couple of the issues that people have with confession. He said some people have the idea that they don't need a priest for confession. They Mm -hmm. can just confess to God because Mm -hmm. he knows your sins anyways and he knows if you repent. But, Pope Francis said, in reconciliation, God sends you a brother in Christ to bring you his forgiveness. And that's what makes it so revolutionary. That's what makes it so um, right. so necessary, so different from just confessing to God. Yeah, yeah. He also Then he went on to say, even the Pope goes to confession every 15 days because he needs it. He's a sinner like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And applause erupted. In, in the piazza. Yeah, the Pope basically told people, hey, I go to confession every 15 days. And then he addressed another big issue, which is embarrassment. So he said that he's heard people say, you know, it's embarrassing to confess my sins to a priest. And his response to that, he put down his papers, and you're going to catch this phrase right away. It was an Italian translation of a Spanish phrase, and I'm, I've translated it to English. Okay. He says, you know, our mothers and our grandmothers used to say, it's better to turn red once than turn yellow a thousand times. Uh-huh. You, yes. You probably, you're probably thinking I'm of, thinking of about what it would what be, it would in, be Spanish. in Spanish. And it just got right to the point that uh-huh. it's better to suffer that one moment of embarrassment in confession than to have your soul basically rot from never confessing. And it's sent Twitter a buzz. It's being posted on everybody's Facebook page. Um, I think uh, if you are a priest listening to this, please prepare because you're probably going to get a run on the confessional (laughs) this week. Good good for business. (laughs) Yes. Okay, moving on. Fort Worth, Texas has a new bishop, Monsignor Michael Olson has been tapped to head up that diocese. Until now, he has been the rector of Holy Spirit Seminary at the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas, and he succeeds Bishop Kevin Vaughn, who was appointed to Orange County in September Mm -hmm. 2012. Finally, just to wrap things up, Pedro, I have some ecumenical news. Good. It's actually kind of exciting. The Catholic community, Cheminuf, has been invited to move into Lambeth Palace which is the home of the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Interesting. ecclesiastical head of the Anglican Church. Cheminuf was formally founded in 1984 by the Catholic Archbishop of Lyon, France, with yes. an ecumenical vocation, and members live in community. There are priests, there are sisters, yeah. there are celibates, there are families and young people. Um, I could go into a lot more detail because it's, it's one of these communities with a whole wonderful array of things that they do. For more information, visit chemin-neuf-neuf.ca. Chemin is spelled C-H-E-M-I-N. Dash neuf is N-E-U-F dot C-A. That's great. Yeah, I actually have a friend that's part of that community in, in France. Wonderful. She's a Polish, young Polish woman. Anyway, uh, great. Thank you. That's good news. Uh, Salt and Light Hour news producer Alicia Ambrosio. Remember, you can watch her every week on Vatican Connections and also follow her on Twitter at Connections. Hi, I'm Mark Mallet, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with your great host, 
Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up, what's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. And now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Andrew. How are you, Deacon Pedro? I'm very good. Thank you very much. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thanks. So who's our saint today? Okay. Um, November. November being the month of saints. Uh, we're looking at someone whose feast date is actually tomorrow uh, in the Universal Church. Okay. Sunday, November the 24th, we are looking at St. Andrew Dunlac. Okay, good. Hopefully I'm Viet- giving his name uh, the due justice yeah. that it deserves. Vietnamese. Yes, Vietnamese. Um there are a lot of Vietnamese saints. Oh, yeah? Uh, Deacon Pedro, I can tell you that. So, St. Andrew Dung Lac, um, through the missionary efforts of uh, many religious families, uh, dating back to the 16th century and continuing until about 1866, the Vietnamese people, very faithful, uh, very hardworking people, heard the message of the gospel, and many accepted it despite uh, the threat of persecution and even death. Um, on June the 19th, 1988, Pope John Paul II canonized 117 people. Wow. 117 people, Pedro, who were martyred in the 18th century. Uh, among these were 96 Vietnamese. Uh, all, as well, 11 missionaries born in Spain and belonging to the Order of Preachers, and then there were 10 other French missionaries. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, these martyrs gave their lives not only for the Church, but for their country as well. Um, they showed that they wanted the Gospel of Christ to take root in their people and contribute to the good in their homeland. Uh, when we look at Vietnam, uh, Christianity first came to Vietnam uh, through the Portuguese. Right. <laughs> uh, this, is not, this is not biased, even though I'm Portuguese. Anyways, continuing, uh, Jesuits opened the first permanent mission at Da Nang in 1615. Uh-huh. Uh, they ministered to Japanese Catholics uh, who had been driven out from their uh, native country, Japan. Uh, the king of one of the kingdoms banned all foreign missionaries and tried to make all Vietnamese deny their faith by trampling on a crucifix. So like the priest holes in Ireland during the English persecution, uh, many hiding places were offered in homes of the faithful, the the Vietnamese. Um, Persecution broke out in 1847 when the emperor suspected foreign missionaries and Vietnamese Christians of sympathizing with the rebellion led by um, one of his sons. Uh, The last of the martyrs were 17 laypeople, one of them a nine-year-old, executed in 1862. Um, during the Vietnamese War, Catholics again suffered in the north and again moved to the south in great numbers. Um, at that time, the whole country was placed um, under communist rule. Mm-hmm. So, St. Andrew Dung Lac, uh, whose feast day we celebrate tomorrow, Sunday, November the 24th, uh, one of 117 people, as I said, who were martyred in Vietnam uh, for their faith. Okay, so that's... St. Andrew, I, it might be Zung, Zung Lak. I'm, it may be sure. Zung Lak. Yeah, um, I'm sure some I Viet- do have a few Vietnamese friends, some so of I, our I Vietnamese make a point of asking them. Listeners St. Andrew can... Dung or Zung Lak, um, and companions as well. Absolutely. One of some of our Vietnamese listeners can, can write in and let us know. Yeah, write um, in to us, uh, Salt and Light Radio, and we'd love to hear um, your Vietnamese. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio, and tell us what your favorite saint is. Exactly. So St. Andrew Zung Lak, or Dung Lak, feast day tomorrow, November 24th. Andrew Santos, our saint expert. Hello, this is Renee Bondi, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Visit Salt and Light Radio at facebook.com slash slradio1 and like us. Also visit us at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. 
And now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood? With our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Pedro, how are you doing? Good, good morning. Welcome to the program. So, um, befriending celebrities. Yes, I want to talk about how to be friends with a celebrity. Like me. A, exactly, like you. You know, I mean, sure, this is a problem that a lot of us have, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So, what got me interested in this is I was recently reading a story about the late James Gandolfini, a famous right. actor from The Sopranos. And yes. It was a story about a normal friend of his. And uh-huh. it got me thinking. I'm like, well, you know, dealing with people of notoriety is something that, you know, occasionally comes up in my world here and in the world of a lot of other people that I know. And uh, it got me thinking, well, how do I deal with my celebrity friend? Really? And, Wait, you, yeah. have ce- you have celebrity friends? Oh, totally. I mean, don't you? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. I, no. You don't I, hang that, out. That's actually really a stretch. I mean, we've heard of like, you know, A-list celebrities. People I know, I maybe know a handful of people who I would list, categorize as like D-list celebrities. Like, you'd be really stretched to kind of be like, you know, this show with this show. And maybe in the background, you saw this guy talk once. It's kind of people like that. So you don't hang out with Mark Wahlberg? I do not hang out with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, darn. At least on a daily basis. You don't go to mass with him? No, no, they don't. But I know people who do go to mass with him. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's yeah. close. Yeah. So, so it got me thinking. So, some of this is drawn from my own experience, but also from people that I know in the industry here who have to deal with, you know, celebrities. Um, the first rule is uh, don't is you don't go looking for celebrity friends. Um, we've all fantasized about having celebrities as friends. Uh, this is this is not healthy. So, so just don't do it. You don't go looking for them. Okay. Um, and I've occasionally heard people say, oh, I'm doing this for God, you know, so they can influence people. Um, no, I've, I've never actually seen that work out in practice either. So God is not calling you to befriend celebrities just to evangelize them. Okay, good. Noted. Yes, duly noted. So, uh, so basically you have to wait for them to come to you. So if you have a celebrity friend, what is your job? Um, your job is basically is just to treat them like you would any other person. Um, and a fantastic way to test your motivations for this um, is if you have a celebrity friend, don't tell anyone else that you know them. Oh, but that's the fun. Exactly. Isn't that the whole point? You're supposed to know celebrities so that I you can know. tell people about them. Well, a great way to do to, to make sure you're not is just don't tell anyone. No name dropping. Okay. No, na- no name dropping. Exactly. Mm. So, so if you are friends with them, uh, you have to treat them just as you would any other person. Okay. Um, and the way you can test this is you can say, well, if I had a regular friend, Joe or Jim or something like that, would I say the same thing to them? Would I behave the same way? Would I act the same way around them? Um, so that's really important to kind of be asking yourself that. Also, don't be overly eager to please them. You don't, don't be overly ready to laugh or overly ready to, you know, acquiesce to their, their needs and their demands and their right. desires. Um, and I guess being in Hollywood, there is kind of this sort of this constant imbalance of power. Like, I work for a notable company, and whenever I tell people the company that I work for, mm-hmm. they're always like, oh, oh, interesting, really. And, and if it's someone who might want to work there... Um, you know, you can sense that people are maybe a little bit too happy to please you sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. Right, which is why you're not telling us where you're working. 
Exactly. Okay, exactly. got I'm it. Trying, I'm trying to keep you guys all whole. So. <laughs> Duly noted, yes. Um, the next is you want to respect their privacy. Um, uh, often if you are a celebrity, uh, you're very aware of publicity. We all think, oh, wouldn't that be great? Everyone, you know, having paparazzi around me all the time. It's like, no, this is a horrible thing. Um, so it's your job to do nothing to compromise their privacy. Um, and again, this is another good reason not to tell anyone that you know them. You know, no one's going to be right. interested in them. Right. Um, and then finally, um, don't expect anything uh, material from them. Um, it's very often that if you are one of these people, um, but you, you know, you might be known as being wealthy or rich. People just assume, oh, you've got loads of money. You're happy to spend it on me. Um, but I don't think anyone's happy in that situation. Um, you know, I have friends, you know, through, through secondhand knowledge, um, people who have been in the world of some of these reality TV stars, people like Paris Hilton and whatnot, right. and they said it's just depressing because you see all the people in these, these people's lives, and they're just there to take things from them. None, mm-hmm. none of them are true friends to those people. Mm-hmm. So, so just treat them like you would any other person. If you're invited over for dinner, bring a gift, bring wine, just like you would, and, and be more aware of this. Than anyone else, right? So, uh, and the lastly, if you're with them in public, um, is you know don't hog them. Uh, again, this is the thing <laughs> right. of oh, we want to be seen with them, yeah. um, but you know maybe step away, you know. Right. So, so what's the point? Why why am I why am I sharing this with you? Yes. Why are you sharing this with us who who are, who are not friends with celebrities? Well, even though very few of us will probably ever have an A-list celebrity as a friend. Um, we, I thought about this, and I'm like, we all have people that we are tempted to treat like a celebrity. And this could be someone in our community, someone who's right, wealthy, yeah. well-known people in our community, Christian speakers, even, even our managers or higher-ups at work. Um, and Scripture tells us in the book of James, it says, show no partiality. It says, uh, if you pay attention to one wearing fine clothes, sit here, and to the other, stand there. It says, have you not become judges with evil design? So we, we have to treat everyone the same. We have to treat everyone as equals. So, and this is a common theme among the writing of the saints as well, too. Great. Okay, good. So I won't treat you like a celebrity, Mark, but I'll treat you like a friend. How's that? Thank you, yes. That would be great. Because you are great are... tests to make sure we're treating people like friends. Good, because you are my friend, right? Thank, thank you. I hope so. You know, because I, I get so many people treating me like a celebrity, and it's just oh, it's so hard dealing with it. It's oh, so yeah. hard. Anyway, I oh. won't do it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. You're very welcome, Pedro. There you have it. How to befriend celebrities with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Hi, this is Josh Blakesley, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now you can listen to Catholic music all day long on Salt and Light Radio 1 at that same web address. And here now is Sheridan. Pedro, a couple of weeks ago we mentioned that Catholic Christian Outreach is celebrating its 25th anniversary. Right. Wonderful news. Yes, congratulations. So earlier this week I called a Benjamin Turland who is in his third year of working as a campus missionary with CCO. Ben and his team work alongside Ryerson Catholics, the campus ministry at Ryerson University in downtown Toronto. Ben, so good to speak with you. So good to be on the phone. Tell me about your work at CCO. What's going on? Uh, yeah, so right now we're actually just about uh, wrapping up the campus, um, the faith studies right now on campus. Uh, yeah, right now we have about 46 people involved, and Great. the faith studies run for about six weeks, so we're just finishing up and kind of 
uh, making sure that everyone's caught up on all the lessons and just yeah, se- really celebrating the fact that they went through the whole study and celebrating that the students put Christ at the center of their lives. Okay. So how did you get involved with CCO? Uh, I got involved uh, as a student at the University of British Columbia when CCO had just recently expanded there. Right. And I had done some ministry beforehand, but what CCO gave me were the tools and the skills to really learn how to share my faith. And I was really given the opportunity to grow in leadership um, on that campus. And it really helped me in all areas of my life, just not in my faith. I know for myself, I mean, I lost my faith when I went to university, even though I came from a Catholic home, and then I actually found it again. And I think, I mean, this type of ministry work is so important. I mean, how is this? Have you had any other experiences with people on campus with similar kind of experience where they've just kind of been reconnected to their faith? Oh, totally, all the time. Uh, it's, it's pretty phenomenal just to see how many students do come to campus, and they're constantly challenged, right, by so many clubs and by so many different opinions and views, and um, just so many things are thrown at them. Club days, there's just so much in their face, and they just don't know what to think. Even if they've grown up with the faith, a lot of students do lose it, and they, the choice that you make at university is really a choice that will stay with you for the rest of your life. So we come across a lot of students that are just, even though they've grown up with the faith, they're just searching, and they have questions, and they have answers and they don't know what to think anymore after being bombarded. And so I'm blessed because I get the privilege to share the gospel with them and to see them choose Christ and to come back. And it gives me such great hope for the church and such great hope for the church in Canada specifically that on a daily or weekly basis, I get to see guys, young, cool, awesome guys, choose Jesus, and they want to follow him. That's awesome. What's it like to evangelize on a secular campus? It's... I, I find it's not that bad, um, personally. I really enjoy it. There's a lot of people that are open. Uh, there's often sometimes people talk about a lot of hostility, and I haven't really found it, as long as you're seeking to really just understand um, where they're coming from and just not seeking to push your motives and just being there to listen. Uh, I find, on the whole, everybody is searching for something, and sometimes they just don't know what that point is. And so as long as we can just bring Christ to them in some way or another, that's what seems to work best. That's such a healthy model for evangelization. So CCO has recently launched into the University of Victoria. Tell me about that. It's really exciting. Uh, I think it's our 12th campus expansion. Um, It's the 12th campus we're going to be on. As somebody that's from originally from BC, uh, I think it's a great move. I like having another campus um, in that province. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I know that we'll be sending a team there that will be starting in September. They'll be starting on the campus there, working with the previous um, campus ministry that's already there. And I think it's going to be great things. Great things are going to be happening at UVic. I think great things are already happening, so I'm excited that we're just that we're going to be a part of it. Okay, and one more question for our listeners: Give us a quick update on the Rise Up Conference. Yeah, so CCO's Rise Up Conference. Uh, this is a conference for young adults. It's December 28th to January 1st. It's our 25th anniversary, so we really had a big push just to make it the biggest and best <laughs> that we've ever had. It's happening in the nation's capital. And so far, we have 610 people registered. Awesome. And that is the biggest biggest yet by over about 80 people. And we're hoping to have about 700 or more registered before the, the conference starts. So uh, it's an awesome, like, five-day conference. You just really learn about your faith, and you get to really meet people from across the country. And it's such a great way to pump yourself up for the new year. This is going to be my seventh one in, in a row. I went to four as a student, and this will be my third as a staff member. So I'm excited just to see all the bells and whistles that come out for this this special occasion. Thanks very much, Ben. Thank you.
I was speaking with Benjamin Turlin, who works as a campus missionary with CCO. He works alongside Ryerson Catholics, the campus ministry at Ryerson University in downtown Toronto. To find out more about CCO, visit their snazzy website, cco.ca. Yes, very good. Thank you. We love CCO. Thank you, Sheridan. Don't go anywhere, though, because coming up in our second half hour, a new movie on Mary, the mother of Christ, and a featured chat with Sarah Hart. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Many films have followed in the wake of the success of The Passion of the Christ, with varying levels of success. Most notably, probably, are The Nativity Story, which enjoyed a wide theater release, and the Bible miniseries that aired on the History Channel. Now, there is a new film made for TV in Europe, but it's been shown in private screenings in theaters and auditoriums all over North America. Mary of Nazareth. It is a major production produced by the same European studios that brought us Restless Heart, The Confessions of St. Augustine, or The Confessions of Augustine, and Padre Pio, Miracle Man. And to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Tony Ryan, Director of Sales and Marketing for Ignatius Press. Tony, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Deacon, uh, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. So why make a film on the life of Mary? Well, um, you know mainly because, uh, you know, she's probably the most important woman in history, at least from a Catholic <laughs> perspective. Yeah. And uh, also, there really hasn't been one. Uh, no. You know, there's not really been a feature film on her life that focuses on her. Okay. And, of course, when you focus on her, you focus on Jesus Christ, which is what she right. focused on. Right. So that was so good. Sorry, I was going to say, because is this not just another telling of the, of the Jesus Christ story, just with a, a, a slant? Or would you say that... Uh, that's a good different. question, and uh, I would say the answer is uh, no, it's not. It's really the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary, but of course you can't tell her story without uh, without Christ being intimately involved. So it begins right. with her when she's a little girl. Yes. And, uh, you know, goes all the way through her life as a uh, younger woman, Mm-hmm. and all through the uh, stories that we're more familiar with up through the resurrection of Christ. So right. it really is the story of Mary of Nazareth. Uh-huh. Uh, but again, of course, you can't separate her life from the life of Christ. No, it's true. You, it, it begins with her as, as a little girl. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the cast and the crew, because I think Alyssa Young, who plays Mary, is she's beautiful and she's great in the film. So how did uh, tell us a little bit about who the crew is, the cast, who are the people behind this film? Sure. Yeah, this film was shot in, in uh, Europe, like a lot of these films that we license. Right. And... Um, it was made by a lot of the... So what they do in Europe is oftentimes studios will work together. Uh, mm-hmm. And so this was like six studios in Europe that made this film together, which I, I really like that approach because I think it brings a lot more to the table. Right. Um, and it was shot, um, you know, in Tunisia, so it has a very authentic biblical look to it. Yeah. It was made... It was shot in English, which, of course, had a, a major appeal to us in terms of putting it out in movie theaters. Yes. Uh, has an international cast. The director is a well-known uh, Italian director named Giacomo Campiotti, who <coughs> did, did a few films that we sell, one on St. Bacchita, called From yes. Slave to Saint, beautiful film. He did one on St. Giuseppe Muscati. Yes. did one on a new version of Dr. Zhivago, a very Chivago, accomplished yeah. director, very passionate uh-huh. man who's also a Catholic. Okay. <coughs> so the cast, um, and so Giacomo, we interviewed him, 
before we released this film, and uh, got a lot of insights on the film, which I'm happy to talk about today in terms yeah. of the source material and all that. But the cast, uh, as you mentioned, Alyssa Young, I think, really carries the film, and obviously she was the crucial She's role brilliant. for this film. Yeah. And Giacomo told us that he... Uh, did a lot of uh, interviews and tests of actresses all over the Europe for this role, um, and uh, you know, she actually. This is an interesting story. I'll tell it quickly because I don't have a lot of time. But yeah. how she got this role, I think she was picked by God. And the reason I say <laughs> that is he had a lot of uh, ladies from different countries actually that he tested, and he actually settled on one from France that he thought and the crew thought was the right, just the right actress. Uh, Alyssa Young, who's from Germany, was contacted by her agent to do a. Uh, uh, a test for this role, but she was getting ready to go to Haiti. She has a nonprofit organization. She started for the poorest children in Haiti to build schools for them. So she was just getting ready to get on a plane to go to Haiti to, for her nonprofit to work on it. She said, I can't go to Rome. I can't go to Rome for this uh, film test because screen test because I'm getting ready. She said, well, then do something by computer. you got to do something. I, I think you yeah. can win this role. Her agent's all excited. She says, well, what, what, I can't do it by computer in Haiti. She says, no, do it from your home before you leave. So... Alyssa said, well, okay, I'll do something. So she got the script by email and did some lines and, and emailed it. It did it on her computer in her kitchen, emailed it to the agency in, in uh, Italy, got in a plane, went to Haiti, and took care of the poor children there. Apparently the director saw something in her, this very simple uh, video that she made on her kitchen table before she flew to Haiti, that he saw something in her uh, that said, wait a second, there's something about this woman that i got to, there's something about her. And he wow. waited till she got back from Haiti, had her come to Rome. She did the screen test, and she got the role. And I said to Alyssa, you know what? God blessed you for your commitment to those kids in Haiti. And, and mm -hmm. the director saw something in you that had real depth and wasn't just your physical beauty or your talent as an actress. Right. Um, how does Ignatius Press... So you mentioned that So you're licensing and distributing the film, but I know that you've also had... The, the film was already done in a longer format, and how did, how did that process work? Well, exactly. So this film in its original length was 200 minutes. Uh -huh. And once we de determined that we wanted to do something more than just a uh, standard DVD release, we wanted to do it uh, where we could show it in the big screen in movie theaters and work with people to do that. It had right. to be edited down. That's just too long. Okay. Uh, there are also some scenes in this film that we would have edited out anyways uh, because okay. uh, there are some scenes in there that are um, lurid and, um, you know, uh, that deal with... Um, things that do have to do with Mary Magdalene and so forth. So, right. uh, so for those reasons, we edited the film down. And I know that uh, some people think that, uh, you know, they can see this film on Netflix, uh, and they can't. The one that's on Netflix is the original 200-minute version, version uh, and, and it's we edited it down. It's really a significantly different film, much better film in our opinion. Um, and uh, so that's why we did that. So would you say that you you uh, had to edit it down mainly for so they could have a North American theater release, or because you had to make it more Catholic or more appropriate with Ignatius Press brand? Both. I would say one over the other. We did it for both reasons. Okay, I see. Now, um, if we can talk a little bit about some of the choices that were made in terms of the film, because I, I thought, I mean, you mentioned Mary Magdalene, and, and there's a very, she's played by um, uh, Paz Vega, uh, very uh, specific choices that were made about the role of Mary Magdalene, very specific choices that were made about the role of Herodias. So it's there's these three women, Mary, Mary Magdalene, and Herodias, that are prominent in the film. Uh, do you have any insights as to what why those choices were made? I mean, Herodias sure. is, has a very Absolutely, in, in script, yeah. I very small. I definitely do. I talked yeah. to the director about that. Yeah, so please. his idea was to tell this story really through... Uh, the stories of those three women, uh -huh. because they all contrast with each other. And uh, 
So let's just talk about them. Obviously, Our Lady is, is, is her story. Uh, Mary Magdalene, um, you know, once she wanted, they wanted her to be a, have a main role because of her, um, you know, her, her, her own personal story of conversion yeah. and how she was the opposite of really of the Blessed Virgin in terms of Mary represented purity. Magdalene was the opposite. Right. Uh, and so that whole journey of Mary Magdalene and, uh, you know, uh, perhaps uh, she had some impact on her by Mary. At least this film tries to imply that to some degree that our Blessed Mother had an impact on the Magdalene and her own uh, change. Right. Uh, and so then, uh, and then Herodias, uh, you know, really is a, is a kind of a made-up character. I mean, let's just be yeah, honest about is. it. Uh, and, but it's, it's uh, you know, I think it's artistic license uh, that's, um, I, I can see why they did it. So Herodias is really a person that personifies evil. Uh-huh. She personifies, really, you could say almost Satan. She's well, kind of yeah, a, she a, does. A, a satanic figure in this story. Yeah, John the Baptist calls her Devil Woman. Devil yeah, Woman, specific, yeah. yeah. And so she's a composite, made-up character to some degree. I mean, we know there was a Herodias, but what yes. they try to do with her is um, she represents, um, you know, Satan in a way, so she has these uh, kind of these powers where she can kind of, she's, uh, first of all, she doesn't age, she, so you'll see her. She doesn't age, yeah, like, and, yeah, and she does have, like, super evil powers, yes. <laughs> yeah, and so she is a kind of, she's a, she's a uh, satanic figure. I mean, that's just what you have to call her. And she is the one that, you know, as we know, uh, was the, uh, uh, the, the wife who caused uh, John the Baptist to lose his head. So, right. I mean, you know, there is that connection in, in, the, in the real story, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but so what they tried to do with her, and you know, some people think it was over the top and all that, but I see why they did it. And it, to me, I think it's kind of works. And I, I thought she was, uh, you know, the woman I thought was a good actress, uh, Antonio Liscova, who played her. Yes. Uh, and they, that's what she does. She represents Satan. And so early on in the film, you'll see her, and I don't want to give away the story, but. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. You know, trying to uh, find. Uh, find. You know, the, who, the woman who will bring this Messiah into the world and try to snuff that out. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, you mentioned earlier that it's a feature film as opposed to a made-for-TV film, which is what I had heard or understood originally. And I know that Ignatius Press, you're, it's mainly being released on DVD. But th- can you tell us a little bit about how people can, can watch this film? Can they buy the DVD? Well, no, so they can't. So uh, later on they'll be able to do that. But so what we're focusing on right now is uh, just being, getting it out into movie theaters. And this is something new that we're doing. Uh-huh. Uh, we did it, first of all, with the film Restless Heart. Yes. The film on St. Augustine. Once in a while uh, when we come across a film that is, uh, we think is really well done and um, is uh, shot in English, and it's an important story, then we're going to try to do this. So we've got our second film. Now, Augustine was great. I don't know if you saw that or not. No, I didn't get a chance to see you, it. But you have, it, to, you yeah. have to check that film out. It's yes. a great story on St. Augustine. Yes, we, we, I have heard so a lot we about got, it. We got bold, and we did this what's called theatrical-sponsored release. In other mm-hmm. words, we're not a movie studio. We can't put a movie in the theaters in the traditional way. Yeah. And we certainly couldn't afford to do that. Even you know, So we came up with this approach to work with groups, uh, parishes, schools, Catholic organizations, Protestants, anybody. Mm-hmm. who wants to uh, have a showing in their local movie theater, not in their parish hall. And right. then, you know, we'll get them the film, they'll rent the theater, all the ticket sales they keep, so it can become a fundraiser. So it's kind of a three-pronged approach. Uh, you know, you have a movie event, which can be inspiring, moving, powerful, right, right in your local movie theater. Uh-huh. Two, it's a tool for evangelization, 
right there in the culture, the heart of the culture. You've got a great, beautiful, true story about a uh, biblical character, a saint, in this case, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Three, it can be a fundraiser. Right. So that's the approach there. And uh, it's been caught on. I mean, if uh, you, we've got a movie website. If people go to it, it's maryfilm.com, you'll yes. see it's, it's already showing in over 115 cities in North yeah. America. Yeah, and we've no, only it's... had it out since October. Once people find out that they can do this, it's not hard to do. We provide all the materials. We provide the film. You just go rent your theater, take our posters and stuff, and promote it. And people want to go, go to the movie to see a film like this. You know, yeah, so absolutely. it's working. Okay, so that's good. So I'm going to give people all that information when we're done here. But uh, uh, I enjoyed the film. I think it's definitely a good good film to go see, not just Christmas and Easter, but anytime. Um, and looking forward to the DVD release. You think you guys are doing good work at Ignatius Press? Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I appreciate your support. And, and uh, yeah, so people can go to the website and find out more about it. But uh, they can see the trailer and, and a lot of clips. We have actually have a lot of uh, short clips from the film as well on the website. Yes, great. Thank you very much, Tony. You're welcome. Thank you. Tony Ryan is the Director of Sales and Marketing for Ignatius Press. You can find out more about Mary of Nazareth, including all the screening listings at maryfilm.com. There are screenings all over the U.S., as Tony said, but as far as I know, there are only a few selected ones in Canada so far. Uh, Toronto, December 5th, Ottawa, December 6th, and back to Toronto on December 12th and 29th. And thanks to our friends at the Branches Catholic Ministries in St. Catharines, Ontario, there will be more screenings across Ontario between January and March. So I'm sure you'll hear a lot more about this film. You can learn more on Facebook. Just look for Mary of Nazareth. Um, I have a feeling we'll, we'll be hearing a lot about this film. Here now is Sarah Hart with How I Will Remember from her new album, Above Earth's Lamentation. This is how I will remember In your garden I'll whisper your name Trace my hand on the marble Blow you a kiss and then walk away For I know that I mustn't linger So I'll muster This is how I will remember This is how I won't forget you I will walk with the sinners and saints Wrestle out of complacency's grasp to lift up the broken things oh, And this is the way I will bless you I will sing both in shadow and light Carry on your conviction That love is a word we must redefine This is how
that was Sarah Hart with How I Will Remember from her new album, Above Earth's Lamentation. Now, last we heard from Sarah Hart, she was at the end of an Indiegogo campaign to fund her latest album, an album dedicated to those journeying through grief and into the light of hope. And to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Sarah Hart. Sarah, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. Pedro, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. But I, I before we talk about uh, this new album, um, October yeah. 26, where where were you on October 26 <laughs> on the Pope's meeting with the families? Tell us about that. What was it like to sing for, for in the Vatican for Pope Francis? Oh, it was amazing, but it was so frightening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? But it was, it was beautiful. We had the best time, and... Um, yeah, basically, it was for the pilgrimage of families to the tomb of St. Peter. Yeah. And they had about 150,000 people, so definitely the biggest crowd I've ever sung for. Mm-hmm. And um, and he basically gave a homily, and then I sang right after that. And then after the event, I got to go meet him, and, oh, it was incredible. Everybody was, you know, shaking his hand and kissing his hand, and I was just like, uh-uh, forget it. I'm going in for the bear hug. So <laughs> I just bear hugged him. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> kind of tackled him. <laughs> and? It was beautiful. Did he beautiful. say anything? Well, he doesn't speak a lot of English, I don't think. No, he so, doesn't. Yeah, so I, all I could really tell him was, um, well, I had letters in my hand yes. that my children had written, yes. and I had a letter that I had written, so I handed them to him and said, you know, here are letters from my children in America, and I love you, and thank you, and that was it, that was it. So, Aww. I don't know if he understood me or thought, gee, what is this crazy lady doing hugging me, but <laughs> but uh, it was incredible, and he's just so beautiful and so holy, and Honestly, Pedro, I'm still sort of emotionally processing the whole thing. Yeah, really. I know. I, I hear you. Um, how did that all come about? I mean, that's pretty, uh, pretty. On uh, what an honor to be chosen to sing. You sang "Come yeah. to Light." It's not only your song, but you got to sing it. Right. It's so strange. Well, evidently, it's sort of interesting. The Vatican, I guess, they have like this sort of playlist. <laughs> they they <laughs> listen. They listen to Salt and Light Radio. <laughs> They listen. Uh, do they? Okay. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so they have different little playlists, and this yeah. song, which is from a record I made a few records ago, they yeah. just love, and they wanted to be the closing prayer for this event, and so mm-hmm. that's really how it came about. I'd, I'd like to say, you know, a lot of people are asking me the question, how do you get to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. You sit around and, and wait for somebody to call you on the phone. <laughs> right. I don't know what to tell you, but that's really how it happened. So that's, just a that's... very quick invitation and it was my 20th wedding anniversary oh, so, on that day uh it was actually on the 23rd but my husband and i were able to call that our 20th anniversary oh trip. what a beautiful 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 way to spend your 20th congratulations it on your was, 20th it was thank you thank cool you. wow yes i mean we were all watching and and no. i didn't know when you were going to sing so we thought because there was all mm-hmm. these other singers singing beforehand and then mm-hmm. the pope started speaking and i thought what the thing's going to be over? Where's Sarah? Yeah. And then you got to sing right after. It was perfect. It was perfect. Well, they went so long too that they had to cut yes. off my song almost at the end in on, on Italian television because they were over time. Yes. 
So, you know, but the the Italians, they do it upright, man. It was like a five-hour event. It went on and on and on and on. And it's so. clockwork. Yeah, and they, they, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, what a blessing. What a blessing. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's talk Thank about the album. Yeah. Let's talk about the album because that's what, what we're supposed to be talking about. Um, <laughs> um, this is your eighth album, Above Earth's Lamentation. Um, yes, is, is it and I'm to... only 29. How does that work? Yeah, yeah right. Um, <laughs> you uh, Is this what you say is your first thematic album have you ever worked on anything that's just on a particular theme like this no this isn't my first saint song was oh all yes about yeah, the of saint, you yeah know? of course and then um of course the christmas album that i did yeah before this right. record that's all christmas but i'd say that you know this is definitely the one that i think was the hardest to do and the closest to my own personal soul it was definitely me laying it there and um so in that in that aspect, it's been the hardest one to do. And is it too personal to ask where all this came from? Uh, were you experiencing well, loss and grief? Yeah, let me just tell you, my family went through a really rough couple of years of grief. Um, we just had some terrible things that were happening to us, and then we had some tragic deaths and um, just very, very hard things, one thing after another. You know, sometimes it goes like that mm-hmm. in families where you'll be so fine and riding that wave and unscathed for so long, and then everything happens at once. Right. And that's kind of where we were. Uh-huh. And um, it was very difficult walking through all of that, uh, very personal, very hard. And grief is an incredibly lonely place. You know, yeah. it really is. And so I think for me to make the album, it was sort of a catharsis of, you know, I think a lot of people who are going through the grieving process don't feel like they can address it or reach out to anybody about it. The world is kind of telling them, hey, you know, just you need to get over it. Put a smile on your face. And the truth is, right. I think that's terrible. <laughs> we have to be able to walk through it. And so hopefully that's by my walking through it. I hope that that translated to helping other people walk through it via music. So while you were going through your own grief, were you writing songs, or did this all come after, uh, as an afterthought? Well, you know, it's funny. I was writing songs the whole time because I'm a songwriter, you know. So I was doing my normal thing, writing three times a week, just, you know, writing songs. And there came a point when I I was writing a lot by myself as well, which very much goes in waves. But Mm. uh, for whatever reason, I was writing a lot by myself. And Sort of when I looked back at the body of the songs I'd written over two years, I realized that I had been, in effect, writing right. myself through the grieving process. Of course. So of course. on the recording, pretty much the songs are in the order that they were written. And I really was a classic case, you know, where I went through the anger and the denial and the depression and right. the acceptance and, you know, just basically those those five steps of walking through um intense grief and so i think the album really portrays that as well uh you know and, and from, from the darkest part to the lightest part and would you say then that this album is very specifically for people who are grieving or going through a period of loss as as sort of helping them walk walk through with them i think so that's certainly my intention um i i think it's a great album to listen to just anyway but really my intent with this was to provide people a safe place to go if they are hurting, a safe place to go if they are broken, to be able to put music in your car or in your home Mm -hmm. and listen and be ministered to quietly in that 
place of loneliness, sort of, because grief really is a lonely landscape. It really is, and I think that surprised me more than anything. But, but so, yes, I, I hope, that's my hope for it, is for it to really minister to those who want the world to stop telling them get over it, but actually want to walk through it with grace and dignity and find some hope at the end of it. Right. Um, what's new, then? What's new for you? More more music? I guess you're always writing music, so I guess there's more. I am. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I'm really interested in just um, seeing how this this recording is received, and I couldn't tell you what's next. I It's a very funny thing, Pedro. You're probably like me in this, but I just feel like God puts his hand on my head and says, okay, now walk over there. Okay, yeah. now walk over there. <laughs> I kind of never know what's going to be next, and I think that's okay. As an artist, that's got to be okay. I know that there will be something next, but mm-hmm. I, part of the joy of it is discovering what the heck that is. Yeah. So I don't know yet. I'm not I'm not really sure. I'm writing a ton, and you know, I'm traveling a ton and yes. doing a lot of events, and so we'll see where, where God where God's taking me. Right yeah. now he's saying just be a mom. <laughs> and that's important, yes, because your daughters are growing. Oh, um, my goodness, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. but you continue doing your retreats and, and or whatever, speaking sessions or parish oh, yeah. ministry missions. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. as... And I've pretty much been gone every weekend since August, so it's been a little oh, rough. Oh, really? And I'm out until Christmas, but, you know, it's good, and, and my girls are going with me sometimes, which is really good. nice. I love when I get to take them. Good, good, because most of them are for women anyway, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or youth, or, yeah, teens or women or just concerts. I'm still trying parties. to get into one of them, but they won't let me in. I told you, you have to wear a dress. Yeah, That's daughter of God. That's all you need. <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> anyway, Sarah, it's so good to talk to you again. I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll stay in touch and, and looking forward to more music from you. Thank you, Pedro. And I want to say really quickly, too, thank you for what you do and thank you for what Salt and Light does because there are not a lot of people out there who support Catholic music so beautifully. So thank you for doing that. I know all of us who are artists and musicians really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and it's great to, to have your support because without your support, we wouldn't be able to do it either. So it's yeah. good. And, 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 and again, congratulations on your 20th uh, wedding anniversary. And it was, it was such great joy. To, to My anticipation was not to listen to the Pope, but to watch Sarah singing her song. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I, I shouldn't say that, you know, on public radio. Anyway, <laughs> it was great. Thank you. Yeah, it was. It's a, it's a treasured, treasured thing that I'll carry in my heart always. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, God bless. Say hi to your family for me. You too. Love you, Pedro. You can learn all about Sarah Hart, about her music, her ministry, find out if she's coming to a town near you, book her for a retreat or parish mission, and of course, buy her music at her website, sarahhart.com, and 100% of the proceeds that she sells from her website until December 1st, 100% of the proceeds are going to Catholic Relief Services for the Philippine Relief So there's an incentive for you. Do your Christmas shopping early. Go to sarahhart.com and support uh, CRS for the Philippines Relief. And uh, also Sarah's music is published by spiritandsong.com. Here now is Sarah Hart with Hallelujah is Our Song from that new album, Above Earth's Lamentation. What hope we have Sun 
what peace we have Sarah Hart with Hallelujah is our song from her new album, Above Earth's Lamentation. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's where you can download or podcast this program and also where you can now listen to uninterrupted music all day long thanks to the support of wonderful Catholic artists like Sarah Hart and spiritandsong.com. And remember to stay connected with us for a chance to win weekly prizes Next week, we're giving away a copy of Sarah Hart's Above Earth's Lamentation. So if you liked the songs you heard today, run to your computer, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and enter your name and email address. Remember, real names and last names. You can also like us on Facebook and write nice things about us, and that will probably get you entered in our weekly draw. And remember that Facebook is the best way to follow what we do. It's facebook.com slash slradio1. That's the number one, SL Radio 1. It's good to visit us there often. And while you've got your computer on, you can also look for me on Facebook. Look for Deacon Pedro. And if you're on Twitter, I'm at Deacon Pedro GM. Salt and Light Radio and the Salt and Light Hour are ministries of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. Thank you for being with us and for supporting what we do. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.